I got a softball story for you. So if you weren't a softball player or a baseball player, you're not gonna get a lot out of this story, but hang with me because it's short, okay? So even if you don't understand what I'm talking about, it'll be over in 60 seconds, all right? I was playing in a church league softball game and I ripped a line drive that split the left fielder and the center fielder, okay? So I'm smelling home run, right? That means I have a chance for a home run. And so I'm zipping around the bases as fast as I can. And if you've ever played baseball, you know that the moment you hit second base, you look up for the third base coach because the third base coach, you can't watch the ball. You don't know if you should stop at third base, but the coach is gonna tell you, right? And there's a universal signal that goes like this. If you look at the coach and you see that he's going like like this, what does that mean? That means run, go all the way, go home, okay? Now, if he goes like this, what does that mean? That means stop at third base, all right? So I rip this line drive, I'm going around the bases as fast as my short little legs will take me. I round second, I look at the third base coach and he's doing this. Okay, seriously mixed signals. Now, can you guess what happened to me in between second and third base? I fell down, all right? <laughs> My brain short-circuited because part of it was saying run full speed, the other part was saying stop, and my legs just went crazy, and I fell face first, all right? Fortunately, I was close to third base, and I could crawl the rest of the way there, and I was safe at third, okay? But when someone is trying to tell you something, and you don't understand what they're saying, it's confusing, right? It messes you up. It's kind of a disturbing thing to have happen. Have you ever experienced that? Maybe with your spouse, maybe with a boss, where they're telling you something, trying to communicate, and you're not really sure what they're saying. I'm sure we've all experienced that before. What I want you to think about this morning is, have you ever had that problem with God? Where you weren't really sure what he was saying to you. You weren't really sure what he wanted from you. Were you supposed to stop or were you supposed to run full speed? You know, you don't really know. And spiritually, that can be a very disconcerting feeling to not have a sense that you're hearing God's voice or knowing what God wants from you. And so this morning, I want us to think about a young girl by the name of Mary. And Mary's life with God was a good one. She was a righteous person. She was a godly person. And when God spoke to her, God went out of his way to make sure he couldn't be misunderstood, that the message would be received loud and clear. In so doing, he sent an angel. And I'd like to read this passage of scripture to you right now, found in the Gospel of Luke. And I'd invite you now to please stand at the reading of God's word. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. <clears throat> Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, 
But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Now listen to Mary's response. Look at the trust within these words. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Father God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the spiritual encouragement and advice we receive from it. Father, we thank you for the example of Mary. Though your call for her life, your plan for her life turned her world upside down and was so shocking and unexpected, nevertheless, Father, she calmly received it. She answered the call. She trusted you that you knew what you were doing. God, I pray you'd give us that kind of trust, that the example of Mary would be one that would inspire us to trust you regardless of the circumstances of our life. Lord, we thank you and we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, even though Mary was very much a young person, she possessed some great theology, okay? She possessed some great theology. She understood, unlike many people, that she was God's servant and not vice versa. That she was God's servant and God wasn't her servant. We live in a society where that's the way many people treat God, that God is here to constantly bless you. God is here to hook you up. God is here to do whatever you want him to do. And it's like a genie in a bottle kind of theology, right? But Mary understood, hey, I'm the servant here. You're the master, you're the Lord. Whatever you say, I'm gonna go along with it. My friends, that's great theology. And a real key to you and I having a personal relationship with God and being connected with him is having that mindset that we're the servants. He's the master. She said, may everything you have said about me come true. May God's will be accomplished in my life. And so I wonder, could you express that kind of trust in God? Could you give your life to God and say, God, whatever you say, I know you know what you're doing. I trust you. I know you have my best interests in mind. I know you want to use me as you see fit. I am your servant. Could you say that? I want to challenge you this morning to embrace God's call on your life. Now, you may say, Dave, I'm not sure what God's call on my life is. I mean, I have a sense. I have certain notions or ideas of what it's about, but that's, that's kind of a confusing area for me. Well, the good news is this morning, I'm going to clear that up for you. All right? I'm going to let you know what God's call is on your life. And I'm not kidding. All right, because there's a few passages of scripture where God's call is the same for every one of us. Now, we each have unique calls, right? And there's certain aspects of our life where it's very unique to us and God has a will, God has a plan, God has a way for us. But there's other ways in which God's call on each of our lives, it's true for everybody in the room. It's actually true for everybody in the world. And so my thoughts this morning are very simple. So simple, it almost embarrasses me to teach this. But it's important. 
And it's important to review the basics of what it is God desires in the lives of each one of us. So what is the God's call on your life? I'm going to suggest two things. Here's the first thing, okay? God's call on your life is to get saved. To get saved. That's a biblical term. And it's the idea of, well, saved from what? I didn't know I need to be saved. Well, it's the idea of being saved from the penalty of sin, that the sin that separates us from a holy God and destines us for condemnation. We're saved from that penalty through the substitutionary death of Christ. He took our place. And so we're saved from the penalty of our sin. But not only that, we're saved from the power of sin. That when you're saved, you have the ability to live a life free from the bondage of sin and selfishness and hatred. And it allows us to love others fully. And it allows us to bless the world in which we're in. 1 Timothy 2, verse 3 begins with this. It says, this is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. I want to tell you God's call on each of your lives is to answer yes to his salvation. God's calling you to come to him for forgiveness. Now, if you've already answered that call, and I know many of you have, here's the second call that God has placed on each of our lives, and it's this. God calls us to live on mission. To live on mission, that once we're saved, once we're forgiven of our sins and we have a personal relationship with God, what we're called to do is now live our lives in an intentional way. That our lives aren't the same as everybody else in the world. Because everybody else in the world's goals are all about, well, maybe taking care of their family, maybe advancing their career, trying to be as happy as they possibly can, that kind of thing. But you know what? Those things aren't our primary focus. Because once we're saved, we're called to live on mission. And it's expressed this way in Acts 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so you see, the order of the call is this. God's calling you to come to him for salvation, get saved, and then once that happens, okay, now you're being sent out. You're saved in order to be sent out. Just like as a church, we gather every Sunday in order to scatter. We gather, scatter, gather, scatter. As a church, we build you up in your faith so that you can effectively reach out to others who need that salvation. And so you see, when you come to Christ and you're saved, man, all of a sudden you turn into a, a missionary. You turn into an evangelist. You turn into a person whose life goal is to bring others to Christ and experience his forgiveness just as you've already experienced. And so that's God's call. To get saved and to live on mission. Now, how do you embrace that call? How do you answer those two calls? Here's what I would suggest. To answer and embrace the call of God in your life to get saved, it simply involves believing. Now, you can use other interchangeable words that the New Testament uses. You could use the word faith. You could use the word trust. You could use the word belief. But look what it says in John 1, verse 12. But to all who believed in him, 
and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. And so you see, no one is born a child of God. We're all creations of God, but we're not born children of God. What makes us children of God is faith in Christ. And so we're called to embrace Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection to give us new life. And that's what we're called to do. Now you can go to O'Hare Airport and you can come up to a certain gate and you can look out at the plane and you can know that that plane could take you to Cancun. But will that get you to Cancun? Just knowing that plane can get you to Cancun is not going to get you there. The way you get to Cancun is you get on that plane. And see, you can know all the facts about Jesus. You can have grown up in the church and know all about his death and resurrection. That doesn't matter because biblical faith isn't just knowing about it. It's getting on the plane. It's giving him your life. It's, it's trusting in him. Moving from merely the head to the heart and allowing God to change your life, trusting in what Jesus has done. And so to answer and embrace that call of God to get saved, believe in Christ, okay? Now again, if you've done that, then how do you embrace the call to live on mission? Here's what I want to suggest. We have an acronym that we use here called BLESS. And it's kind of like our marching orders. BLESS is an acronym that stands for this. It's begin with prayer, listen with care, eat with someone, serve with love, and share your story. And so what we challenge our congregation to do is go into your workplace, go into your school, go into your neighborhood, go everywhere you go and seek to bless those around you. Build redemptive relationships. Develop friendship, develop trust, integrate your faith into those relationships. And as you bless people, they'll be drawn to Christ and the opportunity for them to hear about Jesus. And so praying for those who are far from God, giving people the gift of listening and, and letting them experience someone who really focuses on them and cares about them. You have 21 meals a week. Setting a goal of one meal a week that you eat with someone who doesn't know Christ just connecting with them, getting to know them better, sharing your life with them and seeing the difference that can make. Serve with love, always looking for opportunities to minister to others, to get involved in others' lives, to creating the margins in our lives where we have the time and energy available to do nice things for people, to be a kind person, to go the extra mile to help, and then to share your story. That is, this relationship develops and you get to know various people. You can talk about the difference God has made in your life. You can share with them the answers to prayer and the God moments you've seen and that God is real to you and the questions that'll bring up in their mind. That's how we live on mission, is to seek to bless others. And so, my friends, here's the big idea this morning. I want to encourage you to fully embrace God's call on your life. God's call is to be saved and to live on mission, to fully embrace those things. And I promise you, you won't have any regrets. We're having a baptism in just a few moments. And in the course of the time that I've been in ministry, I've baptized a lot of people. And here's what I can say in all truthfulness, with God as my witness. I've never once baptized a person who after we baptized them, they said, well, that was a bummer. I wish I wouldn't have done that. I've not had one person. I've not had one person say, 
oh man, looking back on that, I really regret getting baptized. That was not a good idea. I, I haven't had one person do that. All I've had people do, if they express regret, is why did I wait so long? I was such a chicken. I was so hesitant. I had so many excuses. Why did I wait so long, right? Those are the only regrets I've ever heard. And so in responding to God's call in your life, that baptism is when a person goes public and expresses their faith in Christ. And I want to encourage you, if you've been saved, but you haven't followed Christ in baptism, Chris is going to be getting in the water in a few minutes, so I'll take Chris's place. I'll talk to you. If you want to do a spur-of-the-moment, obedient kind of thing, you're saying, Dave, that's crazy. I'm not that spontaneous of a person. Well, get crazy and get spontaneous, okay? And if God's not speaking to you, if this isn't something you need, don't worry about it. But I'm going to be back there when I leave the stage. And if you want a last-minute get in that tub. It's nice and warm. It's very enjoyable, okay? I want to encourage you to take this step of faith, okay? Here's the great news. Jesus gave this promise. However, John 6, verse 37, those that the Father have given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. My friends, if in simple childlike faith you come to Christ right now, I promise you, He will not reject you. He's called you. And so because he's called you, of course he's going to embrace you. That's the love of God. And God loves each one of us. I pray wherever you're at, whatever you sense that the call of God is on your life, that you'd be responsive, that you'd have simple trust like Mary, that you'd say, Lord, I'm your servant, whatever you say.